This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The following podcast contains the word fuck. Give it up for They Might Be Giants. They will be, they'll be back throughout the show to brighten, to brighten us. Uh, a huge thank you to They Might Be Giants, who are, are not only the most delightful musicians I know, but they're also very philosophically difficult. And I would give you this conundrum from their 2002 album, No, which I listened to a lot with my children, which goes like this. Clowns are from the circus. Barking comes from dogs. Eggs come from a chicken. And log cabins come from logs. But where? Where do they make balloons? (laughs) Hello, and welcome to the Slate Political Gab Fest for December 28th, 2017, the Conundrum Edition. We are live in front of a sold-out crowd of noisy and morally confounded New Englanders in the Wilbur Theater in downtown Boston. And I want to start by saying that for too long, this beautiful city has been held hostage to the moldy old wisdom of Ralph Waldo Emerson and Henry David Thoreau. And tonight we come to jackhammer their names off these marble walls and carve new ones, Baslon, Dickerson, and Plotz. We, we come, we new philosophers, to cogitate and to mull, to consider and to weigh, to ponder and to puzzle over the most important problems of our age. Such questions as, would you rather put clean clothes on your dirty body or dirty clothes on your clean body? <laughs> and is it insulting to get someone the gift of a cleaning service? So now let me introduce the night's combatants. First on my far left, standing six feet one inches tall, the reigning world champion of gentlemanly interrogation, (laughs) an atlas of judgment, a colossus of conundra, the Rob Gronkowski of pure reason, John Dickerson of Face the Nation. And to my near left, standing five feet nine inches tall. Eight, eight. Five feet eight. Go ahead. Five feet eight inches tall. 
a leviathan of contemplation, a titan of tendentiousness, the very best of Elena Kagan, Sonia Sotomayor, and Ruth Bader Ginsburg rolled into one. The pride of New Haven, Connecticut, Emily Bazelon. I'm, and I'm David Plotz of Atlas Obscura, the, the Zeno to their Socrates. So let's start our conundrum show with a, uh, one we already mentioned, Emily. Would you rather put clean clothes on your dirty body or dirty clothes on your clean body, which is the right thing to do? Okay, so I tried this one out on some of my law students and a couple of friends this week, and I got impassioned but different answers, which bodes well. I feel like the natural answer is that you want your body to be clean and your clothes to be dirty. But here's the thing, and I'm not actually sure you, either of you are going to relate to this, but if you're on a long backpacking trip and you're dirty and you're irid, okay, you will relate to this, but David kind of hates like nature, so I wasn't sure. False. No, but like long hiking Four trips. Four Pinocchios. Not Go ahead. Big. Anyway, okay. So if you're on a long backpacking trip and you're, ir- you're, you're irredeemably dirty and you've stopped worrying about being dirty, it's like not bothering you at all anymore. You can smell however you smell and that's just the way it is. It's actually really great to put on a clean pair of socks. I really love that moment where you dig that last clean pair of socks out of your pack. Um, I'm not going hiking with you. Um, no. You're gonna yeah, take no, my I, I think that's right. I think that's right. But isn't aren't you? Isn't that overstating the case? Like, I mean, in that case, any kind of relief from the kind of fuming, fetid cloud. Uh, of uh, effluence is um, is welcome. Uh, so, what are we talking about here? Are we talking about mildly dirty or? Well, I think if under Emily's circumstances, it, the clothes are absolutely you know filthy. Well, you you can't even be clean for dirty clothes then either. Although I guess you could take a dip in the the, the stream. Right. That's true. I left that possibility. I'd out. rather be I'd take a dip in the stream than put on some like. Clean warm socks because frankly I did all this hiking I got all sweaty and I got all the way up here to this incredible stream I'm, I'm unlikely to find the socks more appealing than that cool stream that I jumped I'd, into I agree with that you should definitely um, bathe rather than wear clean clothes but I will say that when you come across people who smell they it's usually smell clothes. because of their clothes, not because of their body. It's and true. therefore, and if you, that's something to think about. Right. And if you feel clean and then you put... It's all about smell, right? We're not talking about caked with mud. Like, who cares about caked with mud, I would argue? It's all up to do with odor and, like, sweat. But that's for other people. Isn't this for you? But don't you feel really self-conscious when you think like, that you smell? I do. I don't like that feeling Unless you're not self-conscious enough and somebody <laughs> needs to write you a little note anonymously well, and right. say... You're, you're kind of, yeah. Right. All right, let's go on. Next one. This is an, an audience question. Your phone somehow connects the internet and the cell towers of 2025. You don't know how long you have to stay connected. What do you do? I uh, call myself to see if I'm still alive. How, do you think your number would be the, you, you think the number would be the same? It's well, you, how would you call yourself? Because you'd have your number. 
You'd call and your phone... Well, how would I get cell service in 2025? I mean, give me something to work <laughs> with here, buddy. Uh, <laughs> don't you, you want to know? I, that would be a terrible thing to find out. Why would you want to know that? I don't know. <laughs> well, perhaps it would inspire me to do something to either A, keep myself alive, or B, do something incredibly powerful with the remaining years I have, like figure out how to go into the future and call myself. I think that's too spooky. I would want something really boring. Like, I'd want to make sure that all the countries that currently exist still exist, like our country in particular. I'd want to know. Like, do we still have the United States of America? That's a... Do so we have you'd elections? go to Wikipedia and look up United States no, of America? No, I mean, I, you could figure that out by asking a more interesting question, like, who's president and what's the balance of power? Well, oh I my, think I would Oh, call... my God. You guys are... So, it is so obvious. You go and check the stock table. No, I was just going to say. And you're like, oh... Invest in what X. And, yeah. you know, and who won the last 10 Super Bowls. You can lay bets on that. Yeah. That's, yeah. No, you we're could thinking, do that. Well, we're, yeah, no, that's, uh, that's smart. That's right. smart. We're not as smart. Can you imagine if your two th- 2007 self had been able to do this and you called and you did just what you said? And uh, it's like, <laughs> oh, my God. Well, that was like that guy who got what like, came back from somewhere and didn't believe it, right? Yeah, someone who was an Afghan POW, like caught, right, came back from being in captivity and did not believe that Donald Trump was oh, president. Oh, oh, Very oh. recently, yeah. yeah. Right. Thought it was a joke. Thank you. Um, yeah. Okay, here's one that's kind of timely. Would you rather work for a great boss who's a terrible person, or a boss who's bad at his job but a great person? Actually, let's poll the audience. Let's do that. That's always a fun That's thing a to do. That's a good idea. So, all right, so the, well, the first one, the fir- don't do anything yet. First, we'll do cheer for a uh, great ba- boss, bad person. Second, would cheer for a uh, bad boss, great person. So who would want a great boss who's a bad person? Woo! <laughs> who would want a bad boss who's a great person? But what if, what if your definition of a great boss is that they're a good person? Well, that's obviously that you start arguing. That's what happens. I want to know how they're a bad boss. Well, how they're a bad boss or a bad person? Yeah. No, the bad person's, like, easier to imagine. I mean, they could be a bad person in many ways. But what if they're a bad effect. person wholly outside the context of work? That they. No, that they, I don't think that. You, you have to imagine their bad personhood means they're mean and they're not, like, they're hard to work for in well, that sense. Well, then they're not a great well, boss. But you could be very strategically good at making judgment calls. There are lots of magazine editors who are not uh, great people. My boss present, is accepted. Pre- present company accepted, yeah. Many, many companies accept. But right? Like someone who's very authoritarian and doesn't treat people well and is undermining but is, has excellent judgment. You didn't speak. And you're the boss. <laughs> I, well, I don't. I think if you define bad, uh, if you define um, bad person to say that they're an unpleasant person to be around in the office, then then I think I would. Then I, if, if that's your definition, I guess my. I, I think the the good case is this is a person who is like outside of the office is a total humanitarian. They're constantly, you know, going to Médecins Sans Frontières and they, you know, they are raising foster children, but in the office, and they may be lovely in the office, but in the, the office is a mess, company's total wreck, every, no one knows what they're doing, it's losing money. Or someone who's a 
an absolute beast outside of the office who is, who's, you know, on his seventh wife, uh, you know, has, has cut off all of his children, um, you know, commits crimes, but in the office is, a, is just like making sure everything is happening. I think I would take that person, yeah. See, I feel like it's a much harder question if you imagine that the bad behavior is in the office, but it's separated from the person's professional job. Like, imagine that the boss in the office is actually, well, you can't really imagine that he's a good boss. <laughs> it's just impossible. But imagine that well, well, that guy was yeah. like a real, was making yeah. a lot of money and giving you a raise and et cetera. Well, we don't, definitely the lesson of the last few weeks has been the people who are bad people, like, are really are bad, bad, bad people, yeah. and they're bad. Yeah, right. right. Solve that, John. Did you did you have a position there, John? I uh, no, I don't have a definitive position that would benefit from additional illumination of this question. <laughs> would you rather stop aging at age thirty and live for thirty more years, or stop aging at the age of seventy and live for seventy more years? And presumably, here's the question: Do you do you live? At 70 for 70 more years? Well, stop yeah, aging, I guess. Yeah, stop aging That's at 70. embedded in the question, yeah. yeah. I was just thinking Can about it. Can we pick d- other ages where we do it? Because sure. I think the, the right answer be? is like 40. 40. Like our, uh, just a few years ago. <laughs> well, I th- yeah, 40, I'm now 47, and I already, my body is just not what it used to be. But 40 Can you believe fine. that? I mean, it still, it still looks, you know, I mean. Um, well, I guess at what point would you know this? What point would you know what? Well, because if you knew you were going to live for 70 years at age 70, then at age 40, you wouldn't let yourself go. <laughs> you know? But 40, so you would take your 40-year-old self for 40 more years over your 70-year-old self for 70 more years? Definitely. Yeah. No, really? I don't think when I'm That's... 70, I don't think I'd feel that way. It's not because I feel like when I'm 70, I'll hate life. It's that I actually feel that nobody, that people shouldn't live to be 140. I don't think that's, oh. I think that's against the natural order and that basically your time is sort of 90. Like that's so, what you get. Okay. Well, this so answers you... the what would you do in a lifeboat if you had to kill somebody question. <laughs> <laughs> well, David, since you want to end it all at 40, <laughs> it's dinner time. What if you, what if you just didn't worry about that for a second? Like you gave yourself special dispensation. Then what would you think? Hmm. I think probably than 70 and 70, right? What if you use your... But none of us would take 30 and 30, it seems like. I don't think so. That doesn't seem like enough. Also, I didn't think being 30 was so much better than being 40. Also, I guess it depends what you're going to be like at age 70. What if you used your phone call in the, the future to figure out how you're going to be at 70 to see if you're going to be all right at 70, and then you can make the choice? You're not old enough that 2025 will do that for you. But for the purposes of the joke, it was okay. Okay, true. <laughs> okay. Would you pick seventy pick... over? Would you pick seventy over fifty? Yeah, yeah, I want. I want aggregate. Would you pick years. 90, 90 over seventy? Yes, you would. Really? 90 for ninety more years? Yes. You're, what do you think it's going to feel like? Think to about be all the books and movies things. and uh, conversations you can have. You get to see your great grandchildren. Really... They'd all die. They'd be dead. Your great grandchildren would be very dead. I've lived to 90. The chances that they're going to be alive. Have you read any fable or any myth about this ever? It never ends well. It doesn't David end well. David has a point about that. Do you want to turn things to gold? Well, no, wait a minute. <laughs> You're the one who wants to find out what the stock market's going to be like so you can make the money. I mean, and if it's a curse at age 90, it's a curse at age 40. It's not like it gets more cursed the longer you live. 
The Rumpelstiltskin argument would work at age 40 or 90. And I guess you could always, if you did 90, you could say, well, I can, if I don't like it, I can always kill myself. Unless you're, are you obliged to live to 180? Yes, you have to live. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Mm. There's an anti kevorkian clause. I pick 70 over 30, 40, 50, and 90. Mm. Let's do this one. Suppose we live in a state in which it is a requirement for every citizen to run for elected office at least once in their adult life. Think of it, think of it like election duty instead of jury duty. You can pick any job, any elected office. What level of government, what position, what do you want to be? Somebody desperately wants to be on the school board in the first level. Sign her up. That was a woman. Huh. This is, feels like not an obligation. I would happily do it if I didn't. My I didn't hadn't written so many things that would disqualify me for, for every for single ever running. anything. But I would run. Uh, I would happily be a governor or a mayor. I would love to do it. I would right. enjoy you would be it. Good at it. I would too. hate being a legislator. I yeah, hate being a legislator. I would, but I would really, really like yeah. to be but, a governor. But mayor over governor. David mayor, has no state think, to be governor. I think mayor. Of. He's well, never they're lived both in fun. State. They're both really fun. I think mayors have a little bit more. Power, oddly, like that, 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 yeah, uh, they have governors more are more constrained. Yeah, what about what city would you want to be mayor of? I don't think so. I don't live in Boston, so that would be weird. I'd have to commute. Uh, well, that leaves only DC. I, uh, That's the only no, city I think you live being in. mayor of New York is the greatest job in the world. I think being mayor of New York seems incredibly Cause, fun because you get to go to all those Yankees games. Ugh. What, what, what about you guys? Well, I have two answers. So I want to be on the parole board because that's really important and unsung. And I don't think there's going to be like a long line. That's, a, that's great. That's yeah, a really good I, that's really my answer. But also, since I'm writing a book about prosecutors, that's about elected prosecutors, I would want to be an elected prosecutor. They have a lot of power. I'd want to be a mayor, but of a, and I don't know what the size town, but, but of a manageable city where you could actually, you know, innovate and try stuff out and not... Um, like Boulder or I don't know. Santa Fe or something like that. Burlington. Burlington, Vermont. <laughs> wasn't Bernie Sanders? Then I could, Bur- then I could, Bernie yeah, Sanders Bernie was mayor of Burlington, Burlington, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. No, nice. And you and Bernie, I always think of you as the same. <laughs> <laughs> Very similar profile. Yeah. All right, I've got one here. What's the most useful maxim in your life? Or what maxims do you live by? Do you have any? This is so much more a John question. You must have like 10 answers to this. I could barely come up with any. Only have one maxim is my... Um, <laughs> so maxims are different than life hacks yeah, in that you, case. <laughs> right, which exactly. you can have an infinite supply. You, can, you cannot have a maxim of maxims. Um, uh, well, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's a good one. The worst thing about somebody isn't the truest thing about them. Oh, that's a, that's a Dickerson favorite. That's a great yeah. one. That's a great one. Yeah. Always huh. go to the funeral. That's good. Or the life event generally. The question is, does always go to the funeral have a, a more uh, gentle um, uh, version, which is always go to the book party? Hmm. Often similar. <laughs> <laughs> These days. Well, the book party is like the day before the funeral. <laughs> anyway. Um... I like so this is more a work career one but if you can if 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 life allows if finances allow do the thing you like not the thing you think you should do That's good. Um 
I have two. One requires this little story. The uh, one is um, never go somewhere you can't leave. So I don't <laughs> tend to get on boats for that reason. Unless they're docked. Unless they're docked, <laughs> if they're docked. The other is, um, actually my brother is here tonight and he'll, he'll probably remember this, is there, uh, not many of you probably have seen the movie Street Fighter. But the movie Street Fighter is Raul Julia's final movie and he plays a character named uh, General Bison. And I probably am misremembering this, so the Street Fighter pedants out there just lay off. Uh, and at the, the final uh, culminating scene of the movie, the heroine, who's accompanied by Jean-Claude Van Damme, the hero, have finally tracked General Bison down in his lair and are confronting him. And the heroine says to General Bison, when I was seven years old, you and your soldiers came to my village. You murdered my mother and my father and my brother and sister in front of me and burned down every building in that village. And ever since that day, every breath I've taken Every step I've taken has been with the intent of seeking revenge on you, of getting revenge against you, General Bison. And General Bison says to her, for you, that was the most important day of your life. For me, it was Tuesday. <laughs> and that's kind of the way I feel like you have to remember, like for you, the things that feel important to you, for other people it's often, it's like for them it's Tuesday. go where I thought it was going. <laughs> Maybe that's good. Um, wow. Maybe also well, it's that you're supposed a, to remember that you... Wait, this is... I feel buffaloed. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're going to do one more question and then they might be giants are going to come back for a little bit. If you were down to your last $50 to spend on something other than food or shelter, what would you buy? An ATM. You were like, you said before you, I've got an answer for this one. <laughs> I was like, oh, was she, I didn't realize you were, you were Jackie Gleasoning. <laughs> that was the thing you were so excited to have an answer about? I wasn't excited about it. I just said that was the first answer that came to my head, and I didn't reflect upon it Don't in the interim. Think, isn't the proper answer either a music or a book? Like, that's the virtue. Well, is this answer? it for your whole life, the last $50 you can spend before you are... Did it say for the rest of your life? No. Or is it just like just the Just said afternoon? that's all you have, but your food and shelter is taken care of. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Slate <laughs> plus. We like that answer. answer. That's oh, a good answer. Uh, I excellent. would buy that phone um, that could call the call future. The the, that cost more than fifty dollars. What would you buy? What would you spend? Fifty dollars. Do you already it's an own things? Amount. How much do you have? right? And how long is the fifty dollar? Let's say it's a week. Well, a so, week. But you have food and shelter. Right. You have food and shelter, and but nothing else. You told Books. I need something to read. Books. Yeah. Yeah. I would. David I think I might get a bike. I'd get like a if I could find a cheap bike. I think I would like that. I really like biking bike, around. I feel nervous. Yeah, I mean, it, would be, it wouldn't sneakers? be a great bike. Like you could, well, even you have sh- you could borrow a food one. and shelter and clothes, presumably. All right. Okay. Yeah. Well, so the problem is you could borrow a bike just like you could borrow a book. So you might be, what if you were housebound? <laughs> that would take care of your bike problem. I By the time we get to the end of this, things. what's I think that? You, you can't, can't borrow, borrow things. things yeah. In this. yeah. So, all right. So the libraries are closed. Um, <laughs> Do you have heat? Do you need logs to make a fire? I guess that's part of shelter. It's summer. Yeah. Okay. Huh. Netflix. Huh. I was thinking about Netflix. That's a good idea. 
Or like, what about, you, have, you know, like a pool? If, if it's summer, like a beach, some, I don't know, entry a to a beach, going to a uh, national park. Right. Yeah, yeah. Just Entry, but, a ticket well, to something. But would you, I think the thing is, would you buy something useful or just be like, okay, let's blow it on pleasure? I mean, right. I think going You'd to the beach, that's pleasure. nice. You'd going go to, to the, the beach, beach is nice. you go to a national park. Yeah. yeah. You'd get bored of beach for a week, wouldn't you? I, the national park would be better. Yeah, that's good. Right. There we go. Ladies and gentlemen, they might be giants. I'm your only friend, I'm not your only friend, but I'm a little glowing friend. But really, I'm not actually your friend, but I am. This episode of the GabFest is brought to you by Aura Frames. Are you looking for the perfect gift to celebrate the moms in your life? Aura Frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames that allow you to share and display unlimited photos. 
It is super easy to upload and share photos via the Aura app. And if you're giving Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. Aura frames in the notes that I have here says moms like Aura frames. I'm here to tell you that is like the truest statement in the world. I gave my mother an Aura frame. She absolutely loves it. She's also always hectoring me to keep adding new photos to her Aura frame so that she's got great new photos every week. So think about giving your mother or grandmother or aunt or sister or friend an Aura frame for Mother's Day. It was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things. Aura frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code GABFEST at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. How many days before a long-planned event can you send an invitation without undermining the line you write that says, we'd love to have you? Is that right? Right, right. right. So I got an invitation. It was like, we'd really love to see you. Oh, that's cool. When is the event? It's in a day. So a day is not the answer you don't Well, my first reaction was, wow, a lot of people said no. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Wait, but and then did you not want to go? Was it a party? Uh, I can't remember what it was. Okay. It was uh, it was something to which I couldn't uh, attend because um, I had to wash my socks for my next hiking. Uh. But don't you feel like when you're extending invitations and you do something last minute, it's not with ill will and it's not necessarily plan B or C. Or even if it is, it could be like wholeheartedly Depends with love. what city you live in. Oh, I mean, I think mean in, in your city, yeah. Well, well I think, my yeah. city, yeah. right. <laughs> Like amazing, there's anything to go to at all. It's yeah, true. I mean, I uh, have often forgotten somebody who's a dear friend or something, you know, and be like, oh, but you write them a note and you say, I can't believe this of all the people I wanted to invite, you know, and then presumably because they are a friend, they know that you're absent-minded and slow-witted um, <laughs> and a long and a late planner, and they forgive you. Right. Um, there are very few people actually in the world who owe you a decent, right? Like, there are, it's, it's a good idea to keep one's feeling of being insulted to a minimum in general and not That's have that maxim. many people. That's a good maxim. Yes. Right? That is a good maxim to live by. That's absolutely right. Now, uh, you're totally right. And the corollary is also to not feel a sense of obligation by somebody who offers you a false sense of we'd love to see you. That's true, too. That's yeah. true, right? Yeah. All right, we've worked that out. Put that on the maxim list on the fridge. To be open to last-minute invitations, both oh, to yeah. extending them and taking oh, yeah. them, and as long as right, right. But don't. But but uh, right. if it's someone asking you to do something professionally well, and it's super last-minute, then I mean this. I think this well because sometimes, I, not in, infrequently, I am the only woman on a panel or whatever, and so it's really clear. <laughs> oh yeah, that happens here. But you guys don't like sub me in at the last minute. You're sort of stuck. <laughs> But in the world, this is something that happens. And so when I get a last-minute invitation for something like that, I think, oh, the woman dropped out, and they need another (laughs) woman. And I'm sure I'm correct about that, actually. We've got a little spicy one. We've got uh, GabFest After Dark here. So if you're offered the option to extend your spouse's life by 20 years by having an affair with someone you're attracted to and your spouse will never find out about it, would you do it? Can I do, can this is, isn't the, aren't the incentives in this question messed up? 
right? But shouldn't it be the other shouldn't way? It, Should shouldn't spouse, it be if you if if, you if could, it would extend your spouse's life by twenty years? Would you let your spouse have an affair with somebody? Isn't that a more interesting? Isn't that isn't that more spicy? Yeah. What? Yeah. So how long is the affair? Is it like a a really long, involved, it's distracting about, it's affair? It's about twenty years. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, no, we'll do Wait, I think I'm getting the wrong end of this deal. Well, you're never going to find out about it, right? So you don't know. Well, but, but you can't but, grant assent to okay, the Okay, but we'll say, okay, we'll say it's a two-year affair. Ooh, that seems Ooh. long. Is it, like, very emotionally involving? Because at that point, what are... Just sex? At that point, what are the remaining 18 years going to be really like? <laughs> just 18 <laughs> years of recriminations. Well, no, you uh, never find out, right? That's the key. You never find out. Or you wanted to find... Maybe it's better if, if you find out. You, you get to... Honey, I'm extending your life by you going and having an affair with Jim huh. from uh, HR. Well, and then who gets to pick the... Is it uh, of your spouse's choosing? Yeah, your spouse's choosing. Yeah, I don't think you get to choose the affair partner. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the answer be... is obviously yes. The answer is yeah, obviously yeah. yes. Yeah, if you're doing it, yes. If, if yeah. it's you allowing yeah. it, yes. But then what but if, if it's you? I guess it, which it gets to it? a slightly uglier thing. What about the original question as framed? The original question, do you, would you have an affair, extend your spouse's life by having an affair? <laughs> yeah, I think you do, yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know how that mechanism works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you get in trouble whichever answer you pick with this question. No, no, because it's all benevolent. Uh, you're only thinking of your spouse. And t- mm-hmm. Right, that's- well, that's the funny thing about the question sort of framed as a self-sacrifice. Yeah. Actually, like, right. it oh, might not be. Oh, okay, I'll rake the yard, I'll take out the garbage, and all right, I'll go have an affair to extend your life for 20 years. But, if, you know, I mean, not to cast a pall on this, but if you said it was your child, you'd say yes in a second, right? Oh, yeah, definitely, right. of course. So... Why but you, wait, wait, you're saying yes anyway. So why does that make this more, a more acute version of the question? Uh, I'd say yes faster. Well, I'm saying it. it, 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 it what if, if I would you actually say no, strip does it mean that in you the actually moment. like want your spouse to die earlier? In which case, isn't that sort of so you can go have an affair? What if it's a stranger? What if it's a stranger, but you know explicitly that you having an affair will extend that stranger's life 20 years? Oh, oh that's good. Um, huh. Tell me more about the street. <laughs> <laughs> they live by the golden rule. Uh, yes, right. It's an act of charity. Yes. Uh, right, right. Yes. I don't think you, you have uh, an affair or do very many things to... Ex- how could you know? That seems too attenuated to me. You were, they were hungry and you fed them. They were naked and you clothed them. Yeah. <laughs> they were dying. They were naked. <laughs> they were naked, all right. Oh, yeah, I really want to do this one. Okay. Would you rather have cat's whiskers that you cannot shave off or cut or a long furry tail? That is literally the easiest question I've ever had. I would like a long furry tail, period. It's not even like a no. If I could get a transplant today for a furry tail, I would do it. David has just added himself as a furry. Yeah, I felt the same way. If I was going to be something, I would be a furry. That is for sure. Uh, what about your beard you? has incipient furriness, is it? Uh, it's a little coarse. Yeah, no, of course you pick the tail because the tail is has more versatility as an accessory, really. But David has whiskers. They're not cat's whiskers. They're just, <laughs> they're just, what would, would you take the whiskers? 
No, I totally would take the tail. I didn't realize it was so obvious, though. Is there anyone... I'm trying to make a case for the whiskers. Gonna, oh, yeah, ah. Is there anyone, not to make it pejorative, is there anyone <laughs> yeah. in the audience who would take whiskers? Minority position. Interesting. Minority? They're functional whiskers, definitely. You well, get wait, what, does that mean? what does that mean for functional. a person? What do you do What, you can stir your cocktail? <laughs> no, you, you, sense, you sense danger. Oh. You sense danger? Is that what they do? Hey, look... If the danger is that close to your face, can't you see it? <laughs> Maybe it should be like dog's ears. That's really useful. Ears that work like a dog. I think I would choose those maybe over a tail, even though they would be what my animal? Head. What animal quality would you most want? Well, besides flight, which is obvious, uh, I would want to, I'd like a tail. I would love a tail. More like than tail. sense of smell or hearing from like a I dog? I would like a tail. <laughs> no. There are a lot of like really good MIT scientists here tonight. Just know that there's a market. I bet you could have a tail. It doesn't seem that hard to make a tail. Innovation. I I would totally pick. I think I would pick sound, but I'm really torn about the smell. Except then you have to smell the bad things. Wait, is it so? Is flight? Flight is off because it's too obvious. Too obvious. obvious. Okay, too obvious. I I would want. I would want the cheetah-like reflexes. I mean, more than I already have. What about would you want to be able to rock climb like a mountain goat or? Well, no, because then you'd be a mountain goat. Uh, I guess you don't have to inhabit the you body of the thing. You the just have the goat. talent. I would want to move like a mountain goat, maybe yeah. the most actually. I'd rather run fast than be able to climb. I really? Guess, yeah, I guess I've lost my climbing fixation. Huh. I feel like the climbing is more out of body experience. It more is. Ethereal. Yeah. 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 Um, is it insulting to get someone the gift of a cleaning service? So who oh, let's is it? Pull, let's, wait, can we poll this one? Because yes. I feel like it. Is it insulting to get someone a gift of clean service? First, we're going to say it is insulting. Then we'll say it is not. It is insulting to get someone the gift of a cleaning service. It is not insulting to get someone the gift. Wow. I think it depends who the person is. I don't think you can give your parents or your parents-in-law a cleaning service gift. That seems like super aggressive. And maybe not What your about siblings. your daughter-in-law? Oh, no. Probably actually also not that. Any fraught family relationship, this is not a good your idea. Your friend. Your friend? Well, yeah. And are you, you getting it at a, are you getting it just out of the blue or is it their birthday? It's their, it's their birthday. It's their birthday. Okay. And they've just returned from hiking. Yeah. <laughs> They just had a baby. That's when people need a cleaning. No, that's different. If they just had a baby, that's fine. No, it's more like this is their daily, you know, their everyday life. Is the house messy or dirty? Is it that they have, like, really moldy sponges at their sink? That's, I don't like that. (laughs) The audio didn't capture Emily's delightful expression there. Do you, but do you, so why do you think it's okay? I, w- I actually think it's hugely insulting. I would be hugely insulted if someone did that to me. Hmm. I feel like the way that that is something which is very personal. personal and to pass judgment on someone else's life and to say they should be improved. It's like buying somebody who's overweight a gym membership. Yeah. It's like, but that's not, that's not what a cool if, thing to do. But what if they're, uh, what if it's just a nice way to take a load off of your finances by giving you a... Well, that, okay, that, yes, there's a model of it which is like that. 
There's a model which is that yeah, yes, the, this is this it's is a, a service a person wants for themselves. It's a luxury. The the you where you to go to their that. house and you see that they live like pigs and you're like, they shouldn't live like pigs. They what they really need is a cleaning service. They don't maybe they don't want a cleaning service. Maybe they like living like like pigs. What about if your neighbor has a really messy lawn and you offer them I don't know. Usually people do this just by putting the name of the landscaping service like in a card in the mailbox. Listen, if you nudge I them into landscaping, okay, if you nudge them into landscaping, then they're going to get a leaf blower. And then every Saturday morning at 8 a.m., the damn leaf blower is going to be going. So let That'll them... That'll ruin my son's leaf Let business. them live wrapped in the vines of their wisteria and... Uh, if it's uh, only wisteria, it's not yeah. really a problem. The period of your life that defines you is an interesting question okay, I want to hear. do that. What period of your life defined you? For me, it is the, the, the period um, when I had my first job in journalism at the city paper. I was learning 20s. to be a journalist in my mid-20s. I met uh, Hannah Rosen, who would become my wife. Um, I, yeah, that's right. Um, not having an affair to prolong her life. Uh, that you know of. <laughs> <laughs> the, no, remember alive. the whole joke was whether he knew or didn't know. <laughs> she, right, she is still alive. Good point. The uh, and yeah, that's when I learned. I learned. I, I learned professional habits. I learned my profession. I you know learned what it meant to be in love with somebody and to build a life together. That's definitely it. Fascinating, because my period is from the the same time. Not when you went, met your wife, but from. Uh, <laughs> But from when I met my wife at college, because it coincided with the period of junior and senior year, of becoming intensely interested in a specific area of study, which then turned out to be the thing that I would do for the rest of uh, my professional career, assuming I don't follow my dream of becoming a, um, I don't know what my dream is. See, I'm so bereft of uh, other options. Um, uh, So I wonder if, if it's really the the meeting of your spouse that's so far in this experiment, two of us have said that. Emily, would you... <laughs> there's, a lot, there's a lot of pressure here. Set up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to do that at or all. Should I, my husband never listens to this show, so maybe I can say whatever I want. we will never know. Um, let's see. Well, no, I think that that all makes a lot of sense. I guess, so for me, I got married when I was 25, I think. And so that feels young to me. But then I didn't really, then I tried to be a journalist for a lousy newspaper and then I went to law school and then I re, and then I was a journalist for for (laughs) publications I liked better. And so I would actually put it later. My kids were born when I was 28 and 30, I think. And so then I would, so... That is the most life-transforming event that's ever happened to me, for sure. Right. But I think I would say that it was like my early 30s when I had really little kids, and I was trying to figure out how to be the professional self I wanted to be. Because I thought I think actually having young, two young kids is the hardest time to oh, be a parent. For sure. And for me, it coincided with this like important. And then my husband had to really like support me and help me through all of that. So right. he's still crucial. Okay. <laughs> All right, so we're going to do one more question, then bring back They Might Be Giants. So, uh, audience question. If you've been dating for months and she takes you to the conundrum show, (laughs) does that make it a great night to tell her you love her for the first time? 
Yes, yes, yes. We love the idea of being associated with such a moment. Well, yeah. I mean, just to, <clears throat> not to raise the stakes, but this is a defining moment in your life. <laughs> they might be giants.
Now, let's go to the lightning round. John, Marty, John, Marty, are you, are you going to... All right. Due to some Baroque genetic condition, you have to give up either all food and beverage over room temperature or all food and beverage under room temperature. Which do you choose? Marty Beller, snare for over and kick drum for under. I think this is really hard. That's an under from our drummer. Wait, you're giving... Wait, sorry. So let's... Keep it, what are you going to continue to consume? So it's what, are you can, cold food or hot? Food? Cold, yeah. Are you going to keep the cold food or keep the hot food? So I eat much more cold food than hot food, but Marty's it makes keeping me the hot. really sad to imagine giving up hot food. That seems so like you're an cold. important thing. Marty's no, keeping the hot. I think maybe I have to go over to hot, even though I'd be giving up like eighty percent of my diet. I don't yeah. know what would happen. Oh, so your point is that the. The hot food, even though you eat it less frequently, is that much more powerful. Yeah, I never have a hot breakfast or a hot lunch, but... But is that just from laziness or choice? Uh, both. Yeah. Both. No, I know. I mean, I, I agree. Like, a good hot breakfast can't beat that. Which, yeah. is a reminder, Blue Apron is one of our sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> and you can make fantastic home-cooked meals <laughs> and take pride in your own cooking. <laughs> Is anyone going to pick cold on the whole stage? Maybe you should ask the room. No Blue Apron what? meals are cold. They're all warm. <laughs> Ice cream. John? I'm a, I'm a caffeine addict and I need hot coffee in the morning, so everything else falls away in importance. That's... What about when you're really hot and sweaty and you need a cold drink? But wait. Yes. Just put on your dirty clothes. <laughs> <laughs> but here, actually, this is a crucial question. So on the hot coffee front, what about you'd be giving up a cold martini? And not, and, and not just for breakfast. And a cold, and a cold beer. Serious. And a cold Gatorade. Very serious. Yeah, yeah this is... Uh, it's, it's where... Cold, bubble tea. I would be bereft of bubble tea. Although, I, maybe you could get used to a hot, you know, mar- room hot, temperature. hot martini. Room temperature, Jane, you get used to it after a while. Yeah. yeah. All right, so who... All right, so we're going to do... What do you want to keep? So if you want to keep cold, we'll go first and hot... Go second. Who wants to keep cold food? Who, who wants to keep hot? Stronger presence for cold than I would have expected, but Emily, you made a very good case for it. Yeah. All right. Um, next. You are wrongfully convicted for a crime you didn't commit. You're up for parole. Do you admit to the crime you didn't commit and get parole and live free or continue to Proclaim your innocence and stay in prison. So I hear a lot of stories of people who do plead guilty or admit guilt, but then they, and either they get out or not, then it's very hard to live their lives. That's really tough. On the other hand, if you imagine staying in prison like for the rest of your life, that seems, I guess, worse. I would definitely 
admit the crime that mm-hmm. I didn't commit. Definitely. And it, as a member of the parole board, how would that affect your view? Well, actually, the reason this is important and happens is that you usually can't get parole unless you admit responsibility right. for your crime. And so if you maintain your innocence, you can't get out. What, all right. What do you guys think? It depends what the crime is. Oh, it has to be a bad crime. It should be. Well, you're in for life. I feel like it depends on how bad jail is. Well, I guess that would depend. Yeah, because if you think jail is ever good, like you can't leave. Well, no, but no, but state, state, you know, hard time. Yeah, like really, I just feel like pick a side. Pick a side. I'm I'm with you, David. I would, I would admit guilt, but I might blink in Morse code in my eyes, like I'm innocent. Yeah, like be like, yeah, I did it. Yeah. Marty. Marty's Marty is Marty is staying. Marty is going to stay. A man in the of can. conviction and yeah. high morals. He's going to lead time. lead the the drummers house. have the strength. He's going to dig his way out with those sticks. John, did you did you say? Um, you stay in prison for life or for the remainder of your term? Doesn't say. I'm going to add to this. So imagine it was murder. And it's uh, the difference between getting no. out now versus 20 more years. I don't think, I think if it's murder, you don't cop to it. You took some, I don't know. No, it's not. No, I think it's just, it's one of my maxims. <laughs> How about also that you're not going to kill anyone in the first place? Yeah, no, that's definitely the maxim. Don't kill anyone. Although, you know, you could have exceptions. <laughs> but not present company. Which fictional character would you most want to be friends with if they were plopped into your life here in 2017? I would say Lyra from His Dark Materials. We should just uh, always answer that. I always that. Right, We Liz- both always Liz- want that. Lizzie Bennett from Pride and Prejudice would be super fun to hang out with. And then... Um, really? Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. She'd be so fun to chat with. Yeah, all right. She'd be a great friend. And then um, I think the Clark Gable from It Happened One Night. I would pick that. Not wow, Brett Butler, that's Clark good Gable. No, no, the Clark Gable character. I forget what his name is. Whatever the character he huh. plays. This is a journalist. Movies. This has opened up a whole new realm of possibility. Then you could go to, like, Catherine Hepburn oh, right, and the African it's fiction, Queen. It's a fictional character. Yeah, okay. Ooh, she's so annoying in the African I like that character. <laughs> All right. Have fun. Margot Channing, Room Temperature Gin. I hadn't thought of films. Gosh. Uh, Gandalf. <laughs> All right. I, Marty, you go. I'm down to be Kermit the Frog. Oh, excellent choice. That's a really good choice. That's a great choice. I'm torn on this one. So I really, I have to remember no one's name. But um, the main character in Middlemarch, I really love her. Maybe Dorothea might be her name. And then, and this would be complicated and a little dark, but the main character in House of Mirth, whose name is not Lily Lily Bart. Yeah, Lily Bart, yes. Huh. Presumably when she's alive. Yeah. And, and in hopes of keeping her alive. Yeah. That would be Spoiler. part of the it's idea. To, she needed a friend, it. right? Like yeah, she, she does needed need a, friend. a good friend. That's true. I would feel very necessary. That's true. You would really have a helpful. lot riding on your friendship. Exactly. Yeah. I feel like I could be of some help. What two books define you or most important to you? Oh, don't do most important. Define you, maybe. Define you. Emily? Well, the book that I've read over and over again that's like the most relevant is The Journalist and the Murderer. Um, but the books that I feel from my childhood that I think about a lot um, are the Betsy Tacy Tibb books. Does anybody know those books? Probably nobody on the stage. They're mostly read by girls. But I think they were great. And they 
a lot of my ideas about family and friendship and what a good, happy life is come from those books. They're not books that are about a tragedy or like orphans or anything. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, mine are similar to yours, Emily. I mean, I would say Farmer Boy, the Laura Ingalls Wilder, about the boy growing up on a farm in upstate New York because he eats a lot of pie. And it, then he, he, and, he wor- and he works really hard. He works hard. really hard. He works Although, really I have hard. to say, of the Laura Ingalls Wilder books, which I, and I thought of those two, that's the one that made, I, it's the most boring. It has the uh, least plot in it, that book. That's true. I like books where nothing really happens. Well, it that's makes what me feel fulfills, I mean, there are, there are stretches in all those books that are descriptive, but that one in particular really has no arc. Anyway. Yeah. Sometimes he buys just books full of blank he paper. He trains an ox. He trains his team of oxen. Yes, he, and there's but then the one thing that does happen is the teacher threatens to whip them because yes. she can't control them. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, and the other one maybe is I think David Copperfield because my father read it to me when I was eleven or something and I just uh, the memory of just sitting with him is just very important sense memory for me. Oh, I'm totally took to find to mean a different thing. I thought you meant as like. Well, you could. Who you are you now. Could a different way. Well, no, because I'm thinking. The murder was like that. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, um, the glory in the dream, um, new seeds of contemplation, and Bob Dylan's lyrics are probably. Uh, um, this is just an evasive answer, but um, uh, uh, Flatland by Edwin Abbott, along with that person over there, and um, uh, uh, the Ice Storm by Rick Moody, uh, oh. kind of tells the story of my childhood. <laughs> but not your adult life. No longer my adult life. That's good. Yeah. Uh, it's an obvious one, but Catcher in the Rye, uh, you know, gave you a definition of anti-authority for sure. Yeah. Important. Yeah. Um, and I don't know about define you, but there's a, a book, recent book called Wonder, which is now. Oh, that's oh, yeah. such a wonderful book. Uh, that is which just book. yeah, just I cried and cried. Yeah. I I think the the shock of the new. Which is a, just about it's about modern art. Robert Hughes, the guy who wrote the Australia book, and uh, please, I'm rereading "Please Kill Me," and it it's having a profound effect. Wait, what is what? Please kill me. Please kill me. It's an oral history of of the New York punk rock scene, minus the people that wouldn't talk to them. I'm I'm very concerned that you're saying that book defines you. That that's I'm worried about. We'll talk about it after the show, John. <laughs> All right, last question. The six of us are adrift in a life raft with no food. Starvation is looming. How do we decide whether to eat someone? If the answer to number one is yes, how do you decide whom? Oh, man. Yes, and it's, it's definitely a John, but which John? I beg to differ. No, no, you've already I answered. Beg, I beg to differ. I just want to say, Marty, Marty is an incredibly excellent physical shape. He, uh, he spends all his time drumming. But you—he's he's the healthiest eater probably on the stage. Right? You've so, already said that age forty is living too long, so you've passed that. You, I, you didn't understand it. It's age eighty, dude. You get to live forty more years. No, no, but you said at some point that. Well, so what's your ter- what's the age that you think you, you should terminate someone? your life? Forty, forty to eighty. Forty right. to eighty. Okay. I right. think you would want to eat someone. Yeah, I'm totally, I'm very, I'm pro-cannibalism. I would eat and I would be eaten. I'm sorry, you wouldn't get on the boat in the first place. But I think if you're... <laughs> That's true. Is there any point to eating and be eaten? Like, does that idea that you eat a little well, bit... Well, how do we decide? How are we going to decide? Oh, that's an interesting question. How much longer... This is a good pro- group, because, like, we have two groups of three here, because yeah. like, we, we were on a boat tour together, and it's like, oh, now we've split. Is there a way 
to consume portions of each body in a way that didn't kill the host, but that prolonged everyone's life. Is there a doctor in the house? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like you couldn't get enough you of a meal really get for enough it to help without... When you create a wound, and that, how would you treat that wound? Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. You'd need, uh, you'd need one hell of a first So we're going to vote. All of us are going to vote to eat one of them. <laughs> <laughs> See, David would be really And now I'm going to team up this. with one of them. <laughs> yeah. And it's going to be great. That's would right. you guys vote? How would we decide who to eat? God. Secret ballot. Marty Beller. Well, eat Marty Beller. (laughs) Whoever said they would no longer eat cold food would be a good person (laughs) to... uh... I'm not eating anyone. I just want that. I'm not getting involved in deciding, and I'm not eating anyone. Then it's you. (laughs) (laughs) And see. I would like dead for that first. I want to be alive and eaten alive. The other, the, the uh, eaten dead is okay with me, I guess. No, 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 no. Freshness first. I mean, if first. I died, mm. I would be totally fine with you eating me. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Would you, what if you were just no. sleeping? <laughs> 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 oh, I'm sorry. Just I thought, make sure I'm not yeah. going to wake up Just first. don't nod off. Yeah. <laughs> I want to thank everyone who submitted a conundrum, both online and here, live at the show. I'm sorry we weren't able to get to all of them. That is our show for today. The Political Gabfest is produced by the superb Jocelyn Frank. Jason Gambrell helped out specially today. Our researcher, Izzy Rowe, did a wonderful job collecting and organizing conundra. Faith Smith organized the hell out of the show. The Wilbur Theater, chaste and hospitable. Thank you so much. And most of all, thank you to John Flansburg, John Linnell, and Marty Beller of They Might Be Giants for bringing magic to the stage here. Follow us on Twitter at @slategabfest For Emily Bazelon and John Dickerson, I'm David Plotz. We will talk to you in 2018. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi, this is Dahlia Lithwick, host of Slate's legal podcast, Amicus. If you're listening to this show, you might be interested in Amicus's live show that we're hosting in Washington, D.C. on Tuesday, May the 14th. My colleague, Mark Joseph Stern, and I will be talking to some amazing guests, including Sherilyn Eiffel and a sitting state Supreme Court justice, all about how originalism, a relatively recently invented way of interpreting the Constitution, has taken over the Supreme Court and radically reshaped the law. It's been doctrinal rocket fuel for the conservative legal movement and facilitated the rolling back of abortion rights, the expansion of gun rights, and the obliteration of the separation of church and state. And as another wildly consequential Supreme Court term careers to its end, the court's originalists are on a tear. 
but there's something you can do about it. And we hope you'll join us in D.C. on May 14th to explore the possible pathways out of the current situation. Go to slate.com slash amicus live for tickets. <laughs> 